What's happening, everybody? It's your boy, Olu. This is The Daily Athlete Podcast, episode one. Now, before even going any further, shout out to No Donuts of Tokyo, the focus group. They're the ones who really inspired me to get this thing up and moving. I've actually had this podcast on the back of my mind for three years now, and I've just been waiting for the right time to bring it into the world. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. 2020 has basically just been a reality show. There are riots every single week. Craziness going on in the news. So I think the right time is right now. Maybe bring a bit of positivity into the world. Now, for those of you who don't already know me, I am a 2016 Olympian representing Nigeria. I triple jumped at the Rio 2016 Olympics, and I'm currently training for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which will actually be held in 2021. And the story behind the Daily Athlete, the whole brand in and of itself, it really is based upon my experience in my life after I returned from the Rio Olympic Games. It was a lifelong dream to be able to compete in the Olympics. That really, you know, it really literally changed the course of my life as I lived it when I returned home. All I wanted to do was share the advice and inspiration that helped me get there because I would get countless questions from younger athletes and kids and older adults and colleagues and people who aren't even in sport were asking me questions about my mentality and how I train and how I dealt with adversity and all of these things. So in April of 2017, I created the Daily Athlete as a method of sharing these inspirations and sharing all this light and positivity that helped me on my path to my dreams with all my fellow athletes and purpose-driven people. The tidbits of information I'll be sharing throughout this show, both this episode and the ones to come, will be the practical advice I really wish I would have given to myself at various points in my athletic career, from high school to college competing to my early, even or my early 20s as a professional track and field athlete who was just dreaming of competing in Rio. And while most of this advice actually applies directly to becoming a great athlete, it's also about personal development off of the playing field. The best way to absorb what you're about to hear is to keep in mind that the person you are on the track or on the football pitch is no different than the person you are off of it. So if you're stumbling across this podcast and you're a high school or college athlete aiming to reach the next level in your sport, you're already on the personal development path, whether you realize it or not, and this podcast was made just for you. Now, with all of that said, today's episode is in response to a question I received about financial education for athletes. It's about developing a proper mindset about money, how to make it, and how to manage it as an athlete. It's never too early to begin educating yourself on personal finance. Believe me, these are skills that will help you long, long, long after you retire from sport altogether. I know a good amount of the listeners right now personally, and I know that many of you guys have dreams of going pro in your respective sport. Some of you were on track, some of you play soccer, some of you play basketball, but the hard, sad truth is that most athletes don't get drafted to pro leagues. Now, I'm not sharing this information to discourage you or to quote-unquote shit on your dreams. Instead, I'm sharing this just so that you have a realistic picture of you know, what it takes to become a pro from a financial standpoint. There are so many fees and bills from training and equipment, all these different things that you got to consider. So if you know how to handle your money when you're young, maybe when you're in high school, before you even get to college, boy, you're going to be so far ahead of the curve and be able to focus on the things that matter like training. So if you're a student athlete with plans of making it to the next level, whether you're in college now or in high school, and whether that next level is going pro or going to the Olympics, financial literacy is especially important for you to start to grasp now. 
moving on to the nitty-gritty info that you actually came here for. I'm going to share with you a lot of the lessons that I learned over the past seven and a half, eight years or so since going pro after college. This advice is not really organized in any super specific fashion. It's just some mindset shifts and as well as some side hustles that I've done over the years. So it's a lot of dense information. I highly recommend you grab a pen and paper or something else to write with and take some notes down because there's no point in listening if you don't apply what you've learned. All right, so for the first point, let's start with mindset because how you think about money can stand in the way of you actually getting any money before you even start trying to make money. If you often find yourself thinking that you can't make any money because there's not enough out there for you to make or you don't have enough skill or you don't have enough knowledge or you don't have enough of fill in the blank, these are the telltale signs of a scarcity mindset. The first thing you should begin to do is deeply question why you feel the way you do. Begin to uncover the causes because sometimes they're really insidious. Sometimes it's how you were raised. Maybe your parents couldn't afford to put you through sports leagues when you were a kid or you couldn't have the coolest equipment. Other times there's a traumatic experience surrounding money like maybe you lost a job or your main source of income. Whatever it might be, it's important to see these situations of being in your past and not carry that baggage into your present, especially now during the pandemic where people are really going through these financial challenges in real time. It's even more important now than ever before to realize that everything is temporary, whether it's in the past or what you're facing right now. As challenging as times are for financially for many people in this moment, it will not last forever. I know it seems so easy to say. I know it seems blasé, but it's the truth. Remember that there are far more than enough opportunities and money out there for you to make, even if you can't see them, the money or the opportunities right now, or it seems like you never will. On to number two, secure one consistent source of income first, then create multiple. Now, I say this point understanding that there are some caveats to it. Sometimes, if you don't have a day job or a consistent source of income, you just got to hustle. I get it. But on the other hand, this is for more so for the people who are really enamored and excited about the idea of having multiple income streams like I once was. Sometimes it just makes sense to go get that day job first and foremost. I know it's not always easy to have a day, day job while you're balancing a sports career, and it sucks sometimes. I get it. I've been there. But you have to be upfront with yourself about what you need in order to be successful. Currently, for me, what that means is on a weekly basis, I need to see my chiropractor. I need to potentially get a massage. I need to get other body work done. I also need to make sure I buy as much fresh produce as I can so I can eat well. Chiropractor is $60. Body work is at least $60 to $75. All of these things add up so fast. And if it wasn't for the money that I get from my main source of income, I wouldn't be able to take care of these things. Sometimes you also need to be upfront with your employer about your needs as an athlete. Do you need specific hours? Can you work remotely? If not full-time, then part-times. These are tough conversations that all need to take place in order to create a system for you to make money consistently while still allowing space for your sports career to thrive. Once you've secured that consistent source of income, whatever it might be, then you can start looking at how to create multiple streams of income. It's really tempting to do this the other way around because you can get on YouTube or you can get on Instagram or any other social media and it's always plastered in front of you. Here's how I made 
Seven consistent income streams making me ten thousand dollars a month. Yeah, it's all out there, but you really gotta focus down to doing one properly before you can move on to multiple. You can't really overstate how stressful it is to try to create multiple streams of income when you don't even have one consistent one. So what I learned to do is to leverage my earnings from my day job to fund other side hustles, and many of those other side hustles are things I do as hobbies, like photography. And that actually brings me to point number three: turn your hobbies into hustles. This one's really good for my creative-minded listeners out there. Also great for anybody else with that entrepreneurial spirit. There's somebody out there who will place value on your skills for what you do as a hobby. I kid you not. And where value is exchanged, money can be made. Case in point, back in late May, I bought a DSLR camera just to get deeper into photography, something I'd been wanting to do for years. And when I got the camera, I realized I actually needed people to take photos of if I wanted to gain any experience, right? So what I did was I logged on to a local community board called Nextdoor. And all I did was I made a quick, simple post that took me three minutes to make. And I said, I will take your portrait photograph for $40. Not only did I have a slew of people hit me up. I mean, it must have been like six within the first hour. I actually had a blast doing the photo, the photo shoots. And the best part is I got paid to do the hands-on experience and the hands get the hands-on practice that I would have been doing for free. And that's not all. I've actually made a lot of money from doing freelance video editing and blog writing for other friends just because I knew them. And that's all from doing things I enjoy to do already. I'll say it again at risk of sounding like a broken record. There are quite possibly multiple people in your network and even further outside of it who will pay you to do the things you've been doing for free. Reaching out to them could be as simple as sending an email or a DM on social media and saying how you can help them by utilizing one of your skills. Yes, you'll probably have to get out of your comfort zone to land these gigs, but getting out of our comfort zone is what we do every day in training as athletes, so you might as well get paid to do it. All right, on to number four. It's another hustle, coaching. This one's probably obvious to more people, but coaching younger athletes in your sport is both an easy way to learn more about your sport and make some potentially easy money. You could go the sports-specific route, like teaching kids how to swing a baseball bat better or just general conditioning and speed work. Whatever you do, just consider what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, and seek out opportunities in your community to get paid by doing it, by reaching out to local sports teams and organizations. Now, if you can't find any paid coaching opportunities near you, consider volunteering for free. Doing so can lead to paid opportunities in your future. Back in 2013, in my first year as a pro track athlete, I reached out to a coach in my network who coached at a Division I university nearby. I went up to him. I asked him if I could volunteer for a coaching position, and he actually offered me the position right on the spot. Now, after volunteering for just under two seasons, I was offered the full-time coaching position. This was huge because it would end up being a driving factor behind my ability to train and qualify for the 2016 Olympics, which was my dream, because it came with a full-time salary and health insurance benefits. I cannot overstate just how impactful this was, and it was all because I was humble enough to volunteer for free. Not to mention, during my time volunteering, I was also able to train for free at that university. So we're talking about NCAA university facilities, as well as travel to competitions for free as a coach. No lie, this probably saved me at least a few thousand dollars in just a year and a half that I was volunteering alone. Now, I can hear what you're thinking, and I can hear what you're probably saying. I understand that not everyone has an NCAA university nearby that can, they can walk over to and just volunteer at. 
but there are probably countless opportunities all around you from youth to high school to volunteer coach. And I'm sure that most people listening to this right now can think of at least a few places they can hit up nearby. So if you consider volunteering, you never know what might come out of it. On to number five, social media promotion. I've mentioned the importance of reaching out to your community multiple times already by now, and this is where it matters most. If you're an athlete and you reach out to local businesses who have a vested interest in sports as a whole, you'll be surprised at how willing they'll be to have you make a paid social media post or two on their behalf, even if they don't pay you up front. Or if sports aren't their main focus, you might be able to get things for free or at a heavy discount. I personally have not paid for a gym membership in over eight years just because of my willingness to make a quick Instagram post sharing my honest views about that business and have also netted a few bucks in the process. As an athlete, you have a valuable platform. Understand that your platform is immensely valuable and it has nothing to do with your follower count. Having 10,000 followers is definitely helpful, but being an actual person with a real and genuine perspective will always be more impactful. And better yet, you don't have to turn your social media feed into a scrolling billboard. Just share your insights and experience in a truthful and authentic way. I've done it. Here's how you can do it too. Reach out to local businesses that support athletes either directly or indirectly in your area. They can be local physical therapists, chiropractors, gyms, massage therapists, sporting goods stores, yoga studios. The opportunities are endless. And pro tip. Yoga studios, in my personal experience, are always looking for athlete testimonies. So if you're looking for a place to start, I would start there. Also, understand that your community does not end with your physical location. Your community extends thanks to social media and the internet all across the world. So if there is somebody that you follow or a brand that you love, don't be afraid to slide in their DMs and tell them how you feel about their, their product, their service, and you never know that might lead to something moving on to point number six use credit wisely for some people this might be common knowledge but i still think it's really important to mention if you have a credit card pay it in full every single month this is very important not only because it helps you develop the discipline to buy only what you can afford but also avoids making you pay more in interest Carrying a credit card balance beyond 30 days or whatever your payment period is accrues interest, which means a meal that could cost you $10 will end up being 13 And little dollars adding up like that over time really can make a dent long term. At all costs, avoid paying only your monthly minimum. This is a trap. They don't tell you that, but it's a trap because you'll be digging a deeper and deeper hole that you won't be able to escape without getting more interest tacked on. A great way to start building credit and good spending habits is to apply for a secured credit card. Now, a secured credit card is different from an unsecured credit card because your line of credit, which is the total amount you're allowed to spend, is secured with an initial deposit that you make out of your own money. To put it more simply, with an unsecured card, a company like Chase Bank, for example, will give you a credit card that has a spending limit, say it's $2,000. Anytime you use that card, you're borrowing Chase Bank's money. With a secured card, on the other hand, you make an initial deposit, say it's $250. And anytime you swipe that, that secured card, any money you spend comes out of your money, your initial deposit. You're not borrowing the money from the company. You'll still pay that money back at the end of the month because that's how you start to build credit worthiness. I know I hate that term too. 
in the eyes of the credit card company, but because there's less risk for the company, you start to build your own personal credit and show that you're a responsible borrower. Borrower? Borrower. Borrower. From there, you can move on to an unsecured card with much higher spending limits, which means now you don't have to pay for your own purchases before you buy them. As you start to develop the discipline to pay only for what you can afford and in a responsible manner and on time, using a credit card can be an excellent way to build credit easily by putting your training and sports-related expenses on that card and paying it in full every month. Believe me, we have plenty of expenses we could put on our credit cards. Just do it wisely. And on to the last point, point number seven. I say this point knowing it's going to be the most unpopular on this list. Save, save, save your money. Learn to live off of less than you make. Yes, I get it. You probably scrolled past seven different Lamborghinis on Instagram this morning alone. But if you truly want to live a life of financial freedom, you've got to learn to live off of less than you make. It's paradoxical because you would think that to be able to buy any and everything that you really want is the definition of financial freedom. But that definition quickly becomes financial bondage when you can't afford the things that you actually need. Consistently saving money allows you to build a fund for a rainy day and for that new gear you need for your upcoming season. There's a book called The Richest Man in Babylon, and if you're still listening to me in this podcast at this point, I highly recommend you check it out. One of the biggest points and lessons from that book is to pay yourself first by taking out at least 10% of all money that you make and putting it aside to not be spent. Now, you'll likely be surprised how much you can still afford when you only live off 90% of your earnings instead of all of them. But if you can't afford to save 10%, just start with five or even two. Just put aside something, something, and do it consistently. It adds up so much faster than you think. And kind of shouting back to an earlier point, once you have a little bit of that money saved up from not spending, then you can put that money to work to bring you back more money. But that's a conversation for another episode. I personally like to split my income from my day job into three separate bank accounts. One for my daily living expenses and bills and groceries and so on. Another account is for emergencies and other unexpected expenses. And the last portion goes to personal savings and other fun expenses. I've also set up my direct deposit to split this up automatically every time my paycheck hits, 60%, 20%, 20%. So that way, I don't have to do it manually because if I did, I probably wouldn't get to it at all. And I know this is a pretty aggressive savings plan, but it's something I worked up to for years. Yours can and should be tailored just to you. Don't be discouraged if you can't save a huge amount just yet because it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, just like your training. And it starts by saving that first dollar or euro or naira or pound, depending on where you're listening from. But what's most important is just that you start. And just before I wrap this last lesson up, I want to make a quick touch on retirement accounts. Now, this might apply more so to U.S.-based listeners because of how retirement accounts work over here. I am not the most well-versed on retirement accounts. You can find far more on YouTube and other places. But I do know that if your employer offers contribution matching for a retirement account, you need to do it in full. Here's how it works. Your employer takes a percentage of your income from each paycheck at your permission, of course, and puts it towards a retirement retirement account in your name. Now, the retirement account will build interest as all retirement accounts do. For every dollar that you contribute, 
your employer will match it. So if you contribute $100 to your retirement account every paycheck, your employer will match it $100. So you get $200 instead of just the one. This can be a super easy way to start saving for a rainy day or ideally when you retire in 40 or 50 years time, depending how old you are. There are penalties for withdrawing this money before a certain age, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that, but either way, there are penalties for pulling your money out of your retirement account. And that's another incentive to just keep the money in it and be saving towards it. It doesn't matter if you leave that employer, that money is still yours. I know most people listening to this right now are not even close to the age where you're thinking about retirement. Me, I'm barely there myself, but it's very important you start early because a couple thousand dollars a year is going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars in 50 years after you factor in compounding interest and all of that other great stuff. And really that is to wrap this whole lesson up in a nutshell. That's what it's about. Make these moves today. Make plays today that will benefit you tomorrow rather than sitting on your hands and thinking that there are no opportunities present. You can start building your financial future by small actions built today. And that's pretty much all I've got. I do want to leave you guys with one last point, and it's once again back on mentality. Uh, we've all heard this before, but time is more valuable than money. People say time is money. No, time is more valuable than money. It took me years to really believe it, though. And from an athlete's perspective, this is even more important because not only do we have a daily life that we have to live, whether that be school, family, or other commitments, but we also have our sports careers. And at the higher levels of competition, your sports career really starts to feel like taking care of a small child. Training, competing, recovering, eating well, all of these things, we've got to do it on top to stay on top of our game, and we have to do it consistently. So that's all the more reason why you got to learn how to manage your money and in many ways make your money wisely as an athlete. Start doing it now. It doesn't matter if you're a 16-year-old or, or 26. Start now and it'll pay dividends literally pay dividends in your future. And that's all I've got for today. I really hope this information was helpful. I know this episode is long. I know it was dense and I really appreciate your attention. If you want more content like this, follow me at oolamigoke on Instagram. That's O-O-L-A-M-I-G-O-K-E. You can also follow my motivational page. It's No Donuts Till Tokyo. That's one L until. Other than that, you can also check me out on thedailyathlete.com. That's where I host all of this content. And that's all I've got for y'all. Bless, stay healthy, stay positive. Catch y'all on the next one. Peace. 